Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience. What look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because now... What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a great weekend and a great start to the brand new week. Because definitely have a lot to unpack on this episode. Legendary weekend for WrestleMania. Also, Don Sandy has the record-setting weekend. Russell Wilson being an L7, is that true or is it just plain hate? Is Kareem using LeBron to be relevant off the court? And are the Grammys still ignoring the legends? We'll get into that and much more on this episode of TMA with Nick Hamilton. Now, what I need you to do first and foremost is follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA, as well as on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. And also check us out at nightcastmedia.com, your gateway to sports, pop culture, entertainment, community, tech, all rolled into one. Now, I definitely cannot do this show without my producer extraordinaire, the man of the stars, Big Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner, his government name. What's going on, man? What's good with it, Nick? How you doing, man? Man, I'm good, man. It was a lot going on this weekend, man. I mean, we had the, we had the Final Four. We had the, the Women's uh, Championship game. We had WrestleMania, which is now a two-day event. Yes, Grammys uh, also. Yeah, man, this whole mm-hmm. weekend was just crazy. Like, so much going on for once. You know, now that it everybody's was, outside, you know, everybody's ready to have a good time, bro. <laughs> man, it was lit, man. Yeah, was. First and foremost, man, WrestleMania, listen, I was hyped about this year's WrestleMania because yes. I know it was in Dallas, Texas, obviously at, at, at Cowboy Stadium or AT&T Stadium, whatever the hell you want to call it. <laughs> but the thing I love the most, shout out to Pat McAfee. First yes, and foremost, yes. Pat McAfee put on a hell of a show. <laughs> I know there were some people doubting him because – he is a, he is a you know very uh he's a good radio host. I love I listen I listen to his show pretty regularly. Yep. Got a chance to meet him and speak with him during Super Bowl. Same. Really cool. Yep. Down to earth dude, man. Um you just pull for a guy like that, man. That's really down to earth. That really knows his boundaries. Yep. Really knows um how to stay, you know, within his his circumference but also elevate himself. Um, he, he does well with the WWE as far as the announcing side goes, but to see him in the ring yes. and really go toe to toe, he was a fan favorite. I mean, he got a huge pop yep. and got got the Stone Cold Stunner at the end. He <laughs> got a chance to drink beer with Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, who defeated Kevin Owens, by the way, which I pretty much knew he was going to defeat Kevin Owens because I did not think that Stone Cold was going to come back to catch an L. By the hands oh, of no. Kevin Owens. No, no, not not if you're out since 2003 and the world's anticipating your return. You know, there's no way in hell he's gonna lose that, bro. I'm telling you. The Rock, the Rock doesn't mind putting people over, but I can't see Stone Cold Steve no. Austin having that same that same attitude. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Well, you know, not the rattlesnake. Ha- having being his producer of his podcast over at Podcast One Podcast Network, um, he's a very humble guy, you know, but. When it comes to when his persona of Stone Cold, Stone Cold ain't putting nobody over. Great guy yeah, no. outside of the ring. Love him. Talk to him often. But nah. Nah, bro. He ain't putting nobody nah. over like that. <laughs> and you're, you're right because I had a chance to meet Stone Cold once once upon a time at a wrestling event. Yes. And he was really cool, down to earth. Very down to earth. I even asked him. I even asked him, can I drink a beer with him? He was like, maybe later. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like it's like it's like when you want to like that person that wants to smoke smoke weed with snoop right and be like yo i got a chance to smoke weed with snoop yeah it's like i got a chance to drink a beer it's with stone cold steve boston like yes it, it's the same way right it's the same effect it is. but i mean they were really there were some really good matches um it was some really good matches i really think that the two-day event i mean we saw triple h uh, who announced his retirement earlier in the week, yeah. really get a huge crowd pop and left his boots in the ring. I thought that was really cool right. um, to see. And then, you know, seeing Randy Orton. Um, Randy Orton competed, what was this, like his 18th time, I think he's competed yeah. at WrestleMania. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and then, of course, your tribal chief, 
Roman Reigns, who is now the undisputed undisputed champion. What's that mean? (laughs) He's an undisputed universal champion because he beat Brock Lesnar, which I did not understand uh, him beating Brock Lesnar. But, I mean, I love Roman Reigns. I had a chance to interview him a couple of years ago. Really down to earth, dude. I mean, you outside of the the, the wrestling persona, you kind of pull for Roman Reigns, especially all he's gone through battling cancer, yeah, dealing with with things. He had to leave the ring for for a while to kind of deal with that, and then he came back. Um, um, smart to get with Paul Heyman because Paul Heyman is one of the greatest show writers. Oh, to absolutely, me. absolutely. I think of him. I think of Jim Cornette. Um, you know, guys like that that really put the the, the pedals, you know, the smash on the pedals. Uh, when it comes to to really thrusting yep. wrestling personas, and I think him with the Usos, you know, teaming him up with yep. the Usos, I thought The Rock was going to come out at one point in time. I really did. I probably been in. I probably was in a minority with that, but I really thought The Rock was going to come out, especially after he won both belts. Well, yeah, you know, everybody was probably expecting that, but I think Roman Reigns turning heel is probably one of the best things that happened in his career. <laughs> it's you know you you can be a baby face for for so long before finally you know people get tired of you so you know he has the right guidance in his career and uh very entertaining uh wrestlemania this year very entertaining oh very entertaining shout out to the ladies i mean sasha banks trinity they're the women's tag team champions mm-hmm. um so shout, i mean that was actually a really good match like the women had actually a good match um I think I, I have a feeling Roman Reigns is going to drop one of those belts. So either he's going to move to Raw or he's, they're going to keep him on SmackDown. But he's got to drop one of those belts at some point. Eventually, I yeah. I, I can't see him doing it either. I, nah. I can't, I, I I can't see, see him. I don't yeah, see I can't him. see him doing that <laughs> at all. Like, I just don't. But for now, we it, celebrate. He has both of them. So, you know. <laughs> no, shout out to Roman Reigns, dude. Like Roman Reigns is that dude. Like I, I can't even front that Roman Reigns is not that guy. I try. You know what I mean? Guy. But <laughs> my <dang>. try. <laughs> uh, you are hilarious, Nick. I tell you. But yeah, overall, man, I think it was a great weekend for a lot of things and uh really good uh events going on this weekend, man. Kept all of us busy. Definitely kept all of us busy. Yeah, man, I got a chance. To, and then did you catch the final the final four? To me, here's the thing about the final four. Like, I've been to Carolina basketball. I'm that's one of the few teams I'm actually I really yeah. I really go after, right? This is Carolina basketball. Right. 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 And knowing what they did to Coach K yes, just I a month it. prior. Love it. Love right, it. Right. On his last regular season home <laughs> game that he's gonna ever coach. Yep. Beat the brakes off of them by 20. Yes. Then they come into the Final Four. First time ever in the history of the rivalry between Duke and North Carolina. They actually face each other in the Final Four. Yes. And let me tell you something. North Carolina was playing with that lemon booty because they were not <laughs> they were not being aggressive at all. It was Duke that was being aggressive. They yep. were taking it to the rack. They were taking it to, to they were taking charge. They were controlling the tempo early on. And to me, that to me was a symbol of okay, if they let this lead, if they let this game get out of hand, North Carolina's in serious trouble. Um, because you cannot allow as, as much as I, I can't stand Duke, Ugh. I respect Coach K because Coach Cake is a hell of a coach. Yes, he is. But I don't like Duke. And the persona of Duke has always been either you get the, the white players or you get the upper echelons bougie black players. That's right? pretty that's accurate. That's always been their yeah, persona. Yeah, that's yeah, that's their and it's, that's their and that's not necessarily the case when it comes to Duke, but the way the media has portrayed Duke and Duke has allowed themselves to be portrayed in the yeah. media, that's been the persona. That's not a knock on Coach K. No, I'm not saying Coach K is. I'm not in at all insinuating that Coach K is some type of racist or some type of racial bias. No, I think Coach K is an equal opportunity guy. I mean, we saw that when he coached Team USA. When he coached Kobe Bryant and and LeBron James mm-hmm. and, and D Wade and those guys, I don't think um, Coach K is like that at all. No, I think what it is is the fact that you know that's the persona that they that the media has spun because of the transition in college basketball when it comes to race, when it comes to popularity. Um, so everybody, including myself, I'm sure you 
has included as the fact that, hey, man, we're anti-Duke. Like, ain't yes. nobody caring about Duke. Nope. Ne- Screw Duke. Never been right? a fan. Christian Leitner is the sole reason why I hate Duke. Um, just, you know, and all the players that came out of that program, like you were saying, man, they, very cocky, very, you know, just pinkies up. Never been a fan of Duke. I always respected Coach K as a coach, you know, with his Olympic stuff. And even at Duke, you know, but I got so much joy watching his final game ever in a loss to the great North Carolina Tar Heels, you know, because I was always a big fan of James Worthy. Um, and not so much Michael Jordan, but James Worthy, because I'm a little older. So that's that's uh, the Tar Heels I remember. And then the countless players that came out of that program. But Duke always struck me as, like, cocky. Never liked them. I love the fact they lost twice to North Carolina. Oh, man, I love it. The fact that they, the fact that the, the turnaround point for me in that game was Theo John picking up four personal fouls yeah. in the first half yeah. because he was absolutely dominating in the paint. I mean, he had his way. He, he pretty much had his way and pumped that cop who was garbage. Uh, I don't even know why the hell he was even on the floor uh, for 33 minutes. But he ended up with a double-double. Badcock had 11 points, 21 rebounds. Right. But to me, Theo John, when he got into foul trouble, that's and, and, and Duke had to go small. Yep. And then in the second half, North Carolina really turned it on, and they, was, they would knock – I mean, they couldn't miss from three. They would knock it. It was like a bunch of Steph Currys out there just yep. knocking down threes. Yep. And it was be- it was a beautiful thing to see Coach K go to the retirement home. <laughs> I still have bye-bye. Uh, and that Deuces. was a beautiful thing. <laughs> so now, you know, and that led to Kansas and North Carolina mm-hmm. um, for the championship last night. And so, listen, I think I do. Th- I, I, I like Hubert Davis as a coach. I don't really care for him based upon his comments earlier on before the season got started when he was first hired. But I do like him as a head coach, yeah. and that's and that's where I'll leave it. But it was a lot going on. I think, um, you know, you got the championship game, and then props. Let me give credit where it's due. First of all, congratulations to Don Staley, head coach of the new of the national champion South Carolina Gamecocks. Yep. She also had a record-setting weekend because she's the first black coach to have multiple championships in her tenure. Now, the last female head coach, that black female head coach that I remember that was actually um, significant, and there, there were several others that have been significant, don't get me wrong, but the one that really stands out to me is C. Vivian Stringer Yes, um, as a head coach. Um, there are some other great head coaches out there. Obviously, Tina Thompson's doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, uh, um, God, name escapes me now. Um, Delisha Milton Jones, who's co- who's coaching Old Dominion, um, and several other coaches as well um, that are doing a fantastic job out there. Several other Black women coaches are doing a fantastic job. But Don Staley has gotten so much heat unnecessarily. Yes, I mean this is a, this is a lady that just led Team USA to a gold medal, and I mean in dominant fashion. It wasn't. It was. I think they had one game that may have been close, if I recall. Yeah, but she has dominated. That her she's had teams that have dominated and. Props to Aaliyah Boston. That young lady is going to go really far. She's going to have a very prominent WNBA career. She could be one of the the premier faces of the WNBA moving forward. Um, The thing that kind of ticked me off is I think Holly Rowe is a good reporter from ESPN. Mm -hmm. I did not like the fact, I did not like the fact that she did not have enough respect to call her call her by her 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 born government name. Right. How the hell do you mess up her name? We've been talking about this young lady all season, especially during the tournament. You've been covering this tournament, and you've been up to up to date on who's who in the world of women's basketball. And you and you, pr- and, you pr- mis- pr- and you miss and you miss and uh, you miss miss. What's the word I'm looking for? You miss. No, no, you miss you, you, you just miss totally misguided and acted and acted as though when you said her name wrong, it's like, oh, it's no big deal. Come on over here and like grabbed her elbow, like kind of on on an aggressive side. And so Leah Boston, being the classy lady that she is, she went along with it. She didn't make a big to do about it, but it was kind of like, 
what the hell, man? You just messed up this woman's name and then you don't act like it's no big deal. First of all, it's so disingenuous and disrespectful to mess up somebody's name when you know what their name is. And the thing about it is this woman is a big time college athlete. It's not like she's a 12th woman on the bench where you're like, OK, she made the game winning game winning shot. And we don't this is our first time knowing who this young lady is. We've been talking about Aaliyah Boston for the entire season. I mean, she's made national headlines. Right. Right. People that don't even follow South Carolina basketball at least know the name Aaliyah Boston, right? Which is a very easy name to remember. I don't understand how the hell you not remember this young lady's name and then act like it's no big deal. That to me did not sit well with me at all. And that to me was terrible, was a terrible point in journalism where it goes to show you people that take the time to remember people's names is also often a sign of respect. It's no different than when you go to a restaurant and you ask the waitress or waiter's name and you, you know, use their name. That's a sign of respect. Right. And when you're doing this job, then this is your job to do. Now, if, you, if she had one of those, like hockey is very tough to remember names and pronounce names because their names are like long, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of European names. And it's very long. It's very hard to pronounce. Right. I get that. Aaliyah Boston? That's not really? hard. <laughs> That's not hard, man. Come on, man. You got you got to do better than that. You got to do better than that. I'm sorry. There's no excuse for that. Nope. That's what kind of ticked me off. That was that. If you're gonna talk about the best and worst of the weekend, that was probably the worst for me. Well, and, and the thing is, you have all these producers in your ear. You know, when you work do TV work, you have an IFB in your ear, and, and, and they could feed the information. It's like there's no excuse for any of that. It's not like the name was hard. I, I'm with you on that, Nick. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we got a special guest. Uh, she is a journalist, Jackie Ray. Y'all know her from The Opposite Reaction, and I also co-host with her. We'll be coming up into some topics. That are, is Russell Wilson truly an L7, or is it just hate? And also, why is Kareem using LeBron for relevancy off the court? We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Keep it locked. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lloyd. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see what's a bad idea to do that? I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Good thing nobody can see you crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 1249, iHeart Latino. All right, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Make sure you check me out on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213 now. We're definitely going to talk about Russell Wilson because there were some very, very tight comments made over the weekend uh, as it pertains to Russell Wilson and his corniness, or does he have corniness is, or just hate. To help me break down some of these topics along with Will Smith as well as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar possibly using LeBron 
to keep relevant off the court. I have some people that I brought in to help me break down all these topics. I have Jackie Ray, who was also a member, who also who's a host rather of the Fumble, and is the corresponding reporter for Nightcast Media, as well as my producer extraordinaire and the biggest Will Smith hater of them all, Big Brother Jake, aka Jake Water. <laughs> so, listen, guys. First of all, thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, Jake rocks with me every week, so you guys, you guys that are listening, know him already, but. I want to talk about Russell Wilson, and I want to play this 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 clip really quick um, that was said on the Pivot podcast that that started the controversy or re- pretty much kicked up more dust about Russell Wilson and his persona to the world off the field. Let's take a listen. Yeah, if Russell ain't had that bread, she ain't gonna be with him. <laughs> Russell Square. Russell Square. Russell Square. Sierra had a she she has a good situation, but you don't leave future and get with Russell Wilson. The the, the thing is, I think that's what you don't leave future and get with Russell Wilson. It's a a type. Listen, everybody got a type. Yeah, that's true. Everybody has a type. You're going to leave Future and get with Russell Wilson? Is, though, when you he's have... so goddamn square, and I love him on the field. He's this... a square. Channing. He's a f***ing square. Channing, you go from this level of toxicity, you just want something stable. You want the guy that was sitting with that girl with that big old mouth at the draft that was laughing, and you knew she deserved <laughs> to be with him. Goofball? Yeah, you want that you guy. You want to get with you, goofballs, no, You want the guy that told me, you know what? I was I was praying and God told me to go save her. That's what the man told me to my face. Do women first and foremost, do women really want a guy that is stable, that is faithful, that that is non-toxic? Do they really want that or they just or do they just say that because it's the nice thing to say but they really want deep down they really want the bad boy? I think it's hilarious. This topic is hilarious because if you follow Sierra and you go to her Instagram, thousands upon thousands of women have asked her what specifically is the prayer that she prayed for (laughs) Russell Wilson. Because we've all, I mean, maybe when you're young in your 20s and you think, oh, I can change him, you know, I can see his potential. And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. I think a lot of times women, we fall in love with who we see the guy becoming versus who that man is. And oftentimes those are not the same person. So I think when you get to a certain age, you damn the, damn the whole bad boy image. That's fun when you're young. But when you get to the point where you are want you want something stable, I love how you put the money at the top, but then skipped o- then made everything the list. The first thing you want is a non-toxic man who's capable of loving you on a deep level, like is willing to accept your flaws and love your son from this toxic the president of toxicity and and loving that man, not loving that man's son, like it's his very own. And then wanting to build with you, buying your masters to make sure that you're stable and you have a future no matter what. That's the kind of love that can be provided without having Russell's money. You can provide that as long as you have a regular job and you're willing to willing to build with that person just as they are and pour into them and build together. So no, I was one of those people that was super stocking Sierra's page waiting for this prayer so I could recite it word for word. So no. <laughs> so is is I'm gonna say I'm gonna throw this to Jake real fast. Yeah. Is Russell Wilson truly an L7 or is it just some hate? I you know, here's the thing. Like Russell, everybody wants somebody to act like they're from the street or from the hood, you know, because that's acceptable to some people. Here's the thing. Russell's a little corny, but I love Russell, and I'm going to tell you why. He's himself. He doesn't try to be like anybody else. He doesn't give a damn what people think. And, 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 and Channing Crowder sounds like he's sipping on some haterade, you know, hateration, holleration in the dancery. This dude right here, what has he done? What has he done in the NFL? What has he done with his life? He's on here on this podcast, on that show, talking trash on Russell Wilson. Now, like Jackie said, you know, people evolve, people mature. And, you know, back in the day when I was doing my thing, when I was a young guy in the Navy doing my thing, you know, maybe I wanted that girl to shook her ass in the club or whatever. But then you evolve. You want somebody that wants to be at home and somebody that wants to, like, love on you and you love them back. You have a partnership, you know. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you get tired of that club life, that that thug life, the, all that stuff. You want some stability in your life. And not only has Russell provided that for Sierra, you know, he, he he's taking in her son. You know, like you said, bought the masters, all those things. So Corny is in the eye of the beholder. He's not somebody I would probably hang out with all the time, but I admire the hell out of that guy for the things he's done for his wife and his family. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson has definitely been a stable as far as 
you know, stability and even having peace and tranquility. Right. At the same time, we still gonna shoot these jokes because he's still on the L seven pyramid for sure. He <laughs> still he's still gonna get these jokes. Like women everywhere let's are not, L seven clubs, like L seven fan clubs. And you still <laughs> and you still gonna get these jokes. Like regardless of what you think of Russell Wilson, he's still gonna get he ain't he ain't, he ain't shy from these jokes. All right. But aside from the jokes, like Russell Wilson is who he is. Now, if Russell is happy and Sierra's happy, like all jokes aside, I'm happy for Absolutely. Him because it's good to see, especially young kids, young black kids, right. have an image that they can uphold and they can look to as far as seeing what something is and isn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, as I said earlier, you're still going to get these jokes because you're still not above getting these, out, getting these <laughs> jokes out here in these streets. All right? That's all I'm going to say. Speaking of which... <laughs> The next topic I would definitely want to bring up um, is something that is near and dear to a lot of people, including Jackie on this year's show. And it's about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar actually criticizing LeBron James. Now, we know LeBron has often been the, 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 the butt of a lot of jokes as of late, especially with the Lakers being in the toilet um, for the season, as well as just overall his career. Obviously, he was crowned very early in his career of, quote unquote, being the king. Um, if you want to call him that. But at the same time, no, stop. With LeBron, though, and you're talking about Kareem, and obviously he's getting close to eclipsing Kareem's uh, all-time scoring record probably within the next couple of years. Um, but Kareem has often been critical of LeBron ever since he became a Laker. It seemed like he's been it's been more intense since he became a Laker. Uh, recently coming out with comments saying that, hey, LeBron, you know, he should be doing more. He should be advocating for more things. He shouldn't be scared because he does have a platform. And Kareem is absolutely right in that. He does have a major platform. He does have a lot of influence. I mean, we see the influence he's made just as far as in the world of business as it pertains to getting more players involved in their pre-retirement activities before they actually retire and actually thinking ahead of the scale. But I do agree with Kareem on this. Now, Kareem has been very critical of LeBron. And certain things I have not been in agreement with Kareem. I don't really care for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I've seen Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in person. I have my own personal thoughts, and that's another story for another day. But I do agree with Kareem on this. I do believe, and I've said this even, you and I, Jackie, have talked about this. I've said this time and time again. I think LeBron plays it safe. I think he does stuff. He waits to see what the climate is going to be. And depending on how the wave moves, that's how he's going to move instead of being in the forefront of the situation, much like a Colin Kaepernick has done or several other people, even Malcolm Jenkins, to a degree, has done as far as putting, you know, their their their, their front foot forward, as they call it, and making sure to say, hey, come hell or high water, this is what I'm standing on. Um, your thoughts on what Kareem has, has said and is, does he have a valid point or is it just something that's just completely off base? So I personally disagree and agree with Kareem. I don't think that... Um... LeBron is at all wishy-washy. I know that sometimes there's there are specific things that people want LeBron to speak on and he doesn't. And I know that's that's what's considered playing it safe. But I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. If LeBron never does anything else, he has done more than anybody that I know personally, especially when it comes to the black community. And so Kareem was specifically talking about, you know, him doing that Sam Cassell dance and then all the, the, the thing he posted on his uh Instagram about the COVID. And then, of course, he just feels like you said he should do more. And I, I personally disagree with that. But where I think Kareem is is right is he can't he's 74. So he came from a different time and he he fought a lot of these battles that he's he we're still fighting today. And so for him, though, when he was fighting those battles, that was more of a you know, you had to be the good Negro. You had to walk that very thin line. So doing that Sam Cassell dance, when you know that white people are going to look at you and, and wave their fingers, that's just not something that you should do. So you you have to toe that line. And I think we've seen that, you know, with this Will Smith situation. And I know we're going to talk about that later, but like the this man has been damn near pristine. He has one moment and then now everybody wants to cancel him, but we've got white countless white folks that have done the same thing. So Kareem understands that. And he's put LeBron in this same 74-year-old box that he lives in where you have to say all the right things. I think Kareem, a lot of time, he placates to white white folks. And I think that he he tries to do, placate to white folks while at the same time being this champion for black people. And I think that's very difficult to do. But I understand why you do it. 
because you understand that you don't want to taint your platform and you don't want the masses to come against you. So I think he's he's right in his thought process. He's wrong in his delivery. And he knows that, which is why he sent that last tweet that was like, this was blown out of proportion. I have nothing but admiration for LeBron James. I want him to overtake me in my record. So I think he understands that sometimes playing both sides of the fence, as he calls it, is something he had to do. And it's a very difficult thing to do. You know, here's the thing about LeBron. Like, and, and I've shared this with you, Nick. I, I'm not a big fan. I'm, I'm a fan of what he's done off the court, but I'm not a fan of him in general because he destroys teams. But my thing with him, he fronts a lot. He does things for the sake of doing things. What's hot for the moment. And he puts himself in these positions. Read the book, bro. Read the book. I read the book three times. Come on, man. Do that. Here's the thing about Kareem, too. Kareem is a bitter man because he's been through a lot. He played eight years longer than he wanted to because his financial reasons and, and his house burned down in D.C., so he had to make money. Kareem is coming off as a big old stay-off-my-lawn type of guy. He's, he's really bitter, okay? I've met the guy, too. Nothing but just hater vibes from him right now. But I, with what you're asking me, I think LeBron definitely puts himself in these positions. He speaks out on things that he shouldn't speak out about. Then he'll back away from it. The whole China debacle that happened, you know, he was bumping his gums on that. And then he was worried that it was going to cost people money. So he took Nike's side. So LeBron, to me, he straddles the fence too much. You know, he does have a platform where he could speak and he has a platform where he could tell people this, that and, and, and all his causes he can champion, but he doesn't take advantage of it. But, you know, he does whatever's cool for the moment. And I get what both of you all are saying, because both of you are bringing valid points. However, I think it's just the lack of consistency. And I think more people want to see him actually step out for once and stay and maintain his position. I think that's something we have not seen on a consistent basis. Again, much like how we've seen from Calvin Kaepernick, right. much like how we've seen from Malcolm Jenkins and other and countless other people that have actually stood up in the face of adversity and said, okay, I know this may cost me something. However, I'm going to stand come hell or high water. And I think that's what more people want to see from LeBron, including Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as you mentioned earlier about the different time frames that he he uh was was raised in and, and actually was able to to witness firsthand um being a part of that even going through what spencer haywood went through kurt flood went mm -hmm. through where those guys took took on entities all the way to the supreme court yep. to get change uh one was successful one wasn't unfortunately at the time until later on which we all know the father of free agency uh, which LeBron, Kobe, uh, LeBron, and, and and guys like like Michael Jordan and countless others have taken advantage of in various sports uh, moving forward. So, I think LeBron needs to be more consistent. Um, I think he does have a platform, as you two elocuted earlier. Um, but I think more people just want to see, like I said, more consistency. And speaking of, of of consistency, it's been a consistent onslaught of Will, of anti Will Smith ever <laughs> since the infamous incident that took place on Sunday, uh, about Sunday night, was that about a week ago now? Yes. Uh, where he ended up assaulting Chris Rock on stage because of a tasteless joke that him and his wife at the time did not find funny. Um, and he caught backlash for it and is continuing to receive backlash. We found out recently that there's been a halt on production for Bad Boys 4 starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Um, there's also been talk of uh, Netflix also halted production on another film and there's also been talk of him losing major endorsements moving forward. The Academy of Arts and Sciences, as well as SAG, has not issued a punishment as of yet, as of this broadcast. However, it seems like a lot of people are canceling Will Smith, including people that look like you, all of us, on this program that have said that how traumatized they were, <laughs> uh, which was really appalling to me because the things that you should be traumatized about, like police brutality, injustice inequality things of that nature you should be speaking out more against but yet you want to speak out against one man who had a, a error and lapse in judgment um to me how do you feel about him being potentially being canceled and should he be canceled is it fair or foul jake as you know nick i'm not the biggest fan of will oh, smith no. whatsoever with that being the diabolical said, hater with, i am but for personal reasons but with that being said you he should not be canceled he should not be losing endorsements. He shouldn't be losing movie roles. He apologized. Chris Rock 
accepted his apology, didn't press charges. That's the problem with what's going on today in this society. Everybody want to cancel everybody, okay? What he did was stupid, all right? Lapse of judgment or whatever. It's called restraint. Didn't have any. I know he's sticking up for his wife. We could go on and on about this, that, and the other. But if you're going to cancel him and the, and, and, and the academy and all that, cancel Roman Polanski that raped a 14-year-old girl and drugged her up and put her in a, a, you know, in a jacuzzi, and he flees the country, still wins awards, still gets standing ovations. Will Smith did something stupid, but it does not warrant what everybody else is trying to do. I know, Nick, you weren't expecting that from me. But what he's going through for what he did, I think, is, is messed up. Play, stu- you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. He messed up there. But. He does not deserve halting of production and, and, and being canceled. That's just stupid. He made a mistake. He owned up to it. The other party accepted this apology. That should be the end of it, and they should just continue and move on. Well, what do you say, Jackie, to those that, that you mentioned? Roman Polanski, we also know about Harvey Weinstein, uh, obviously Mark Wahlberg. But a lot of people are saying, well, hey, we didn't witness those firsthand. You can't unsee what you saw. We did see Will Smith assault Chris Rock. And Chris Rock not retaliate, but yet keep the show going. What do you say to those people? And again, I ask, I ask you the same question. Is Will Smith being canceled fair or foul? I think that's a very white explanation for what we're seeing against Will Smith, because that's an excuse. Because if you need to see a 13-year-old girl get raped in order to act on that, that is a you problem. And you need to see somebody about that. I don't need to see that to know that that is vile and detestable. And that man should never win an award again. I don't need to. I mean, and uh, on the flip side, we did see Jim Carrey, who said, oh, now Hollywood is not the cool club. We saw him assault sexually assault Alicia Silverstone in the MTV Music Awards in what, 2006 or something like that, walked up there and kissed her against her will and everybody laughed it off. So you're picking and choosing based on what? I mean, on from the outside looking in, it's only one thing because we're talking about, like I said earlier, Mark Wahlberg has all these hate crimes that he's committed. Everybody's, oh, he's young. You know, this one is, oh, we didn't see it. This is very much the problem that you and I talk about a lot. I think what we're seeing right now is what happens when you have a seat at a table that wasn't built for you. Because when you have a seat at that table, they can kick you off very quickly for the smallest of things. This, in comparison to what we know white entertainers have done, is very minuscule. It is not even, it doesn't even register with the Harvey Weinsteins or the raping of the 13 year old girl or anything like that. But it's a black man. And now all of a sudden you got white women talking about, oh, I was triggered. Um, I think there, uh, Whoopi Goldberg said something about her being triggered as well. And that that's troubling to me because again, that that speaks to two things, white people talking about from the, from the table that they built and black people speaking with the desire to get to that table. Will didn't do, you know, from a person who's not a big Chris Rock fan, I feel like, Jake, I feel about Chris Rock the way you feel about Will Smith. <laughs> when he slapped the hell out of him, I was like, won't he do it? Lord, praise him, praise him, won't he wow. win? Wow. <laughs> because that was a slap that I have been feeling in my spirit for a long time. So I have no issue with that slap at all. But that being said, what is happening to Will is very inappropriate. And then again, it's a it's because we're at seat, we're seating at t- sitting at tables that were not built for us. Well, whether they're built for us or not, in order to try to make change, I understand people why they want to sit at the table. They're trying to, inf- you know, trying to institute change of some sort. Um, I understand that part. I also understand this part too. If you are, if the academy is against violence, which I do believe they are. However, you're truly against violence. What I suggested that the Academy do is sit down Will Smith and Chris Rock and have Will Packer be the host and moderator and have these two talk out their issues publicly. And then if they decide to hug it out or walk away, at least you tried. At least you made the attempt to say, hey, we also we not only are we saying we're against violence because we know the, the, the situation that happened. We know the trauma that, that Chris Rock that may be facing because that's an embarrassing moment that was seen around the world internationally. Any Whether he fought back or not, the fact that he was slapped and people saw that, that will forever be in, in people's minds forever. They'll forget why he was slapped, but they never will forget that he was slapped. So if you're truly against violence, like I said, then you need to sit all three people down 
and have them talk it out as a special or regardless what network you want to put it on and have these two talk it out as as a step as, as far as showing that you're not just talking about it but you're being about it and i think that's one solution the other part is i do hope they allow shayla and will packer to produce next year's uh oscars because this was one of the highest rated oscars in years because it wasn't boring it wasn't not it wasn't highly it was very highly anticipated i should say and also too it was actually an interesting show i was there i've haven't i haven't watched the oscars in many years but being me being there being in the atmosphere it was actually very thoroughly entertaining i thought i thought everybody did a great job i think up until that incident that happened between will and chris i thought everybody did a really great job the only thing that I did not like was the fact that Samuel L. Jackson didn't get his Lifetime Achievement Award on television. Man. I thought he deserved much more than that. Outside of that, um, and, and several other people did too, um, that did not get a chance to be on television that, that did great films that deserved to get their work praised internationally as well. Um, but again, everything, obviously, it's it's things that are going to be improving, things that have to happen. Uh, but I hope that Will Smith does not get canceled. I personally hope that I think it's foul. I think it's a witch hunt um, that Will Smith all of a sudden is getting canceled for his for what incident. And again, an error in judgment, um, a, a, a terrible choice that he made. Um, but at the same time, the man is still talented. The man can still make movies and the man can still draw crowds. Thank you guys so much for coming. On. I'd like to thank my guest, Jackie Ray from the Fumble, as well as Nightcast Media. And my producer extraordinaire, Big Brother Jake, coming up on the other side of the break. We'll get into the moments brunch. We'll get into the Grammys as well as are the Dodgers the top dog when it comes to the pitching staffs? Why or why not? We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM. Slam Radio 145. Please stay tuned. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad idea to do that. I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing. You're going to be home today, so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good a thing little nobody can be crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home. Privacy of your own home. Watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know, that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2249, iHeart Latino. Welcome back to CMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145, final segment of the show. And oh yeah, before I forget, I I, I forgot to say something in the first segment. Congratulations to Bianca Belair, who is the WWE Women's Champion. Definitely got to give her props. Definitely love her 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 in ring style, so I want to give her props as well. So congratulations uh, on that. And uh, I got to bring back my guy. And hopefully he's calm at this point. He didn't take he took took a sip of whiskey and whatnot. <laughs> it was Hennessy, Big not whiskey, Jake. bro. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Hey, so, sometimes Ooh. that's what I need, man, to calm me down, bro. I mean, I can Yikes. I can go into other things, but this is a family show. So unlike my, unlike my show where I'm a little more, you know, 
but I'm calm now. Well, man. I know. Okay. Oh, you know, you, most cook, <laughs> most cooks do drink a little bit on the on the job when they cooking. So let's see what you got cooking this week. All right, let me not mess this up. Here we go. All right. <laughs> As we embark upon MLB season, the top pitching rotations have been released for the 2022 season. According to MLB.com, the top rotations include the Mets. I don't know how they figured that. Blue Jays, Brewers, Astros, Giants, and the Dodgers are at number seven. If the Dodgers, who recently traded for closer Craig uh, Kimbrell, are they able to get Trevor Bauer back? Does that, if they're able to get Trevor Bauer back, does that put LA in the top five of rotations this season? It absolutely could. I mean, when you look at when you look at the Dodgers rotation, I think they're what seven right now, according to MLB. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, you got Walker Bueller, who's the opening day starter. You got Clayton Kershaw coming back, Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, and then Andrew Heaney. You also let's not forget you still got David Price on the squad. Now you got Craig K- uh, Kimbrell, who is going to be the closer because they were looking for a closer after the departure of Kenley Jansen, who went to the Atlanta Braves. Right. So. I mean, Bueller, who's at a 2.82 ERA over the last four seasons, is, you know, ranking third amongst all of the the, the pitching staffs. Um, But when you look at Kershaw coming back, how strong of a season will Kershaw have in his final season? Because ultimately, it's going to be his final season. Right. Um, And then you look at Tony Gonsolin, who's had an up and down spring. I got a chance to watch him when I went out to spring training last week. Um, Didn't have the best outing, but... You saw some th- some positives in in that outing. Now, in the first outing in spring, he looked absolutely great. Uh, so you're going to have those things. But uh, Andrew Heaney is the only question mark that I do have uh, because I've never been sold on Andrew Heaney. I watched him; he was a member of the Angels. He did okay uh, as a, as a top tier pitcher, but it wasn't anything magnificent uh, that was really going to stand out. I think if MLB figures it out with Trevor Bauer, which I do believe the Dodgers feel like they're going to be able to have access. To Trevor Bauer, which is why they probably didn't trade for a starting pitcher. Um, that's going to put them in the top three, I think, as far as the rotations are concerned. Uh, when you t- you talked about the Mets earlier, listen, the Mets have Max Scherzer, who is still a top notch, you know, still a top notch pitcher. You got Walker, you have Carlos Carrasco, you have Chris Bassett, uh, Jacob Degrom. So I think you have a top-notch rotation with the Mets. Now, what they do with that rotation, how that how that plays out into the playoff picture, remains to be seen. I still don't believe in the Mets, but the Brewers and the Blue Jays, to me, are to me are the top the top dogs as far as the rotations are concerned. Um, when you look at this collective, because let me tell you something, man, um, the 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 Blue Jays are for real. I know they're quiet. I know they're way up in T dot better known as toronto canada the six but right according to drake the six <laughs> right but when you look at this lineup and that rotation you got jose barrios you got kevin guzman you got hunjin ryu you know uh you look at that lineup uh, listen that's a scary lineup right that is a scary lineup um i think the white Sox are something that they need to pay attention to as well I don't believe in the Giants. I don't think the Giants, even though the Giants have gotten a little better and it's going to be still tough for the Dodgers. And I said that the Dodgers played the Giants and the Rockies about 76 times this season. They both have improved their rosters. Uh, So it's not going to be a cakewalk in the NL West. However, I do believe the Dodgers will win the NL West. And I do, I put their winning, their winning game total at about 96 games this year. All right. I say about a hundred, but you know I'm I'm a homer. <laughs> and, Why do you say a hundred? <laughs> Why do I say? 100? Why do you say hundred? Yeah, because of Murderer's Road 2.0 with that lineup that they got on offense. You know, you got three former MVPs, you know, playing in that lineup each and every day, and with the universal DH rule, that allows other players to still be in the game and not be taken out because of their uh, lack of production on defense. You know, so I. I Clearly, see a hundred wins for the Dodgers easily, easily, but that's just me. Maybe there's well. I mean, here's the thing. I look at the reason why I didn't say a hundred is because here's the thing. I know I know you talk about the lineup really quick, but also too, let's not let's not let's not forget injury. Let's not forget the grueling of a 162 game season. 
the grind, the grit, the grind, the, 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 the mental wear and tear it takes to get through 162 game season. That's why I said, now, if they won 96 games, they'll be fine. Now they could win 100. I'm not saying they can't. Oh no, I'm, I'm just saying that's that. that's. I'm just saying that to me is about that's about an average that should be happening for this Dodger team. And let's not forget, Dave Roberts guaranteed a World <laughs> Series championship. I, I wouldn't have done. Let's that. not forget. Let's not forget that. that. <laughs> I, I he love did it. a big. He did a Joe Namath. He was yeah. like, "Oh yeah. no, we're gonna win this here." <laughs> and I love now, it. what happens if you don't win it, Dave? What happens if you don't win it? Well, he's gonna catch hell like he does for all his decisions. Which, mm. which, that's why I'm kind of glad the DH is in in place now because of stupid, you know, take a pitcher, pitch him for one inning type deal. You know, I'm glad that's gone. He has to re-strategize, so to speak. So, but yeah, I'm a homer, so I'm gonna say 100. But that's just me. <laughs> All right. Next item on the menu. The Grammy saw singer Jasmine Sullivan, I love her by the way, winning two awards last night or t- two nights ago, and Silk Sonic Cleaning House and Doja Cat and SZA win for best pop duo or group performance. Yet, Snoop D-O-Double-G has been nominated 19 times, yet he hasn't won one Grammy. What's wrong with that picture? What's wrong with it is the fact that the Grammy board needs to change. First of all, how can you ignore the icon known as Snoop Dogg? First of all, he's dropped some classic albums. Doggy Style, The Blue Carpet Treatment, um, No Limit Top Dog. Um, there have been some albums that he's been a part of that I'm sitting here like scratching my head. Like, how's he, how's he not won? for? In, how did you not win for Doggy Style? Like... That should have won. How did you not? How did you not win? I mean, he's been a part of the Dog Food album, which was the Dog Pounds album. I mean, Murder was the case soundtrack. I mean, how do you not win for any of this stuff? Should have got at least one. I mean, the East Siders record. I mean, I know it was independent. It's hard (laughs) to track independent records. Right. But it's like, come on, dude. Really? Well, I, I I have a theory to that, Nick. I think because Snoop doesn't give a damn about conforming to anybody's, you know, authority and doesn't really give a damn about a Grammy voter. He does music from the heart. So he, so, sh- he should be rewarded with Grammys, but because he doesn't play ball, you know, you notice Eminem, when he stopped playing ball, so to speak, and he wasn't, you know, down with the committee, they stopped nominating him. Well, he never really played ball. To be That's honest what I'm saying. And, and, and that's why he. You know. But you couldn't deny because the man is selling ten million records. Like he, it's yeah. hard to it's hard to sell ten million records and not get and not win a Grammy. Like at least one. Yeah. Right. And especially back in the early two thousand. Of course. Right. Because the climate was a little different, yeah. obviously, than what it is now. Yeah. But Fifty Cent, Ice Cube, like how do these people that sell yeah. millions of records Cube should and make classic, like Get Rich or Die Trying, is a freaking classic. It is. Right. It's a classic. Say yeah. what you want about 50 Cent. No, that I, dude dropped a classic with Get Rich or Die Yeah, he had amazing albums. You can play that album to this day, and it's, it's still bangs. Absolutely. You can play Death Certificate oh, my from favorite, Ice Cube favorite album. to this day, and it bangs. Yep. Predator, bangs. Yep. West Side Connection, bangs. bangs the first yep. one, bangs. Yeah, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, no, the first one. I'm saying the yeah, first one. The, the second, second one, one was yeah, cool. Right. The second one was cool. But I, I, but it's nothing. I mean, it's obviously nothing like the first because oh, that, no. that was a, the time period. The fact that we saw these three larger than life guys come to form this super group yes. known as West Side Connection, yep. to me was iconic in itself because that had never happened. You had Mac Ten, Ice Cube, and Dub C, and to me, Dub C was the best on that album. One of the most underrated MCs of all time, Dub C. And he shined, and he shined on yes, that album. He like did. Dub C shined on that album. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Cube came with it, Mac Ten came yeah. with but it, Dub C was but the Dub force. C he was the force. Was a level above, yep. absolutely. And he really, and I think he realized, okay, this is my opportunity. Let me yep. show the world what I can do. Yep, and he did that. He sure he, did. Mission accomplished. Yep. Um, but there's a lot of artists. I mean. You know what I mean? Uh, think about it. Like Outkast sold what ten million records for yep. Speaker Box Love Below, yep. and they finally got their just due. It's like, dude, they've been doing this since '94 with Southern Playlisted. Well, well, they had to, they had to do the, the with, with Andre 3000 style of music being kind of popish. That's probably what helped 
Because Big and Boy, then, he ain't gonna change the way you and the way you move. Because yeah. that song was still yeah, that song was phenomenal. Yeah, it still is. I think what's gonna happen because they did this with Samuel L. Jackson. You get that lifetime achievement Grammy, you know, to make up for all the times you didn't get it. Because because Samuel L. should have won a gang of Oscars with his performances, well, least, 157 uh, movies or something like that. Come on, and they give him an honorary lifetime achievement Grammy and then even televise it. And didn't even televise that part. That was cold. That, that part. was cold. And that man's done so much for film. You know, Pulp Fiction alone should have got him an Oscar. Alone. Not to mention all the well, other I, movies he's done. I think to me, there were, but see, like you said earlier, Samuel did not conform. Right. Right. The way they wanted him That's to. That's right. And so I think when you look at it overall and you look at the landscape, mm hmm. Like to me, I thought Denzel should have won for John Q. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they gave him the Oscar for Training Day, which he did a good job in Training but Day. But he had to be a bad guy. Yeah, he had to be a bad guy. He did it. Yeah. Well, not just that, imagery, right? The yeah. type of guy he was. Right. Okay? Same thing for Holly Berry. Monsters Ball was trash. I, terrible movie. Losing Isaiah. Amazing. She should have won. Should have won for that. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. And and. and um. Hell, when she did X Men, when yeah. she played, when she played Storm in X Men, yeah. <laughs> she should have got some for that. I'm like Dorothy Dandridge, like that. Really, she did amazing in that movie. Should have won something for that, you know. And, 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 but that's that's what happens, man. And that's why they have these lifetime achievement awards, like Public Enemy last year. They got the Grammy for you know lifetime achievement because we Public know Enemy. we who, who who would give a Public Enemy. We know for a fact, Fight the Power in 1989 was not going to win a Grammy, you know, because the Grammys just started recognizing hip hop. And remember, and remember, they also did a song called Burn Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> With Cube and, and Big Daddy Kane, one of my favorite tracks of all time. So you know they were they were all to be on the Christmas list <laughs> when to the, right. the Academy Awards or the Grammys. That part. And, um, and, and I'm going to tell you right now. Mark my words, within five years, Snoop will have that lifetime achievement Grammy. You watch. I think I think Snoop and Ice Cube, because I think Ice yeah. Cube, to me, has contributed. I don't understand why. Here's the thing with me. Like, Ice Cube has, has done phenomenal in the world of film, in the world of music. Yep. And he's also still been an activist. You know what I mean? With yeah. the, with the Anti-establishment. The, uh, with the, you know... Uh, with the write-up that he did for the, the uh, basically for reparations, but it was yeah. it was the contract with Black America. Yeah. Um, and Trump tried to use a piece of it in his platinum plan. Of course. Uh, <laughs> but he was, how the hell do you cancel Ice Cube, bro? Like, you can't cancel Ice you Cube. Can't. This man is, and he said, well, why are you all of a sudden now the contract? He's been talking about the contract of Black America since NWA, if you listen to his lyrics. Uh, yeah, anti-establishment he, his whole career. Basically, he just compiled all of his lyrics, pieces of his lyrics, yeah. and put them together like a puzzle, smart enough to, to to confirm those things with people that were in the know in the world of finance and business and things like that, and form a committee, and then put all those things together, make sure everything was airtight before he presented to both parties. And to me, I think Ice Cube deserves that alone. He definitely deserves a Grammy. Definitely yes. deserves a lifetime achievement award just for the work that he's been able to accomplish and do over the course of his career. Um, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, hopefully Snoop will get that lifetime Grammy award because he's definitely well deserving of it. Uh, Snoop is a phenomenal artist. Yep. He's been able to transform himself and reinvent. The thing with Snoop, people, I think people kind of overlook is the ability to reinvent himself. And Snoop has had that ability to oh, yeah. reinvent himself time and time again and still stay relevant in generations, much like how we see Snoop, we see E-40, we yep. see a lot of other, you know, certain artists, Ice Cube, certain artists, Dr. Dre, guys like that have been able to really continue to reinvent themselves, but yet still be relevant in different generations. That is a skill, that is a gift, and so hopefully we'll see Snoop, Cube, and others really get their just due before they're not lo they're no longer on this planet. I agree 100%. There's no way that, you know, 19 nominations, you can't give them a Grammy. Come on, oh for nineteen, bro. Oh for nineteen, uh, someone of that stature, man, and, and, and you know, I'm just I don't get it. 
Respect to Snoop. All right, y'all. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to thank my guest, Jackie Ray, for coming on, as well as uh, my man, Big Brother Jake, producer extraordinaire, for producing this fine quality show. I'd like to thank everybody at SiriusXM, Slam Radio, and Nightcast Media. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. That's SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, all for free 99 make sure you follow me on instagram at nick hamilton la as well as on twitter at nick hamilton 213 and also check us out at nightcastmedia.com make sure you subscribe to us for all the latest and greatest interviews in the world of sports and entertainment at youtube.com slash nh experience tv subscribe now you don't want to miss it we got some brand new content featuring cedric the entertainer debbie allen erica alexander uh and so many more from the world of sports and entertainment that is youtube.com slash nh experience tv until next week well actually in a couple of weeks because we'll be back so i'm off next week thank you so much for tuning in we'll catch y'all in about two weeks y'all stay safe stay sharp take care we're out the views and opinions expressed on tma with nick hamilton extra dose are entirely those of the host guests and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of slam radio